This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two definitely not fake people created and posted by Xander, Brian Murray. I have a social security number. <laughs> and Kara Shimborski. I have a driver's license. Oh my, yeah. I, so today is <laughs> going to be a very interesting episode. Um, we had an incredible hangout last night, which I had a lot of fun at. I definitely went on a rant about how NFTs are a scam because, by the way, they're a scam. Um, but before we get into the show, uh, I I just want to say thank you to everyone who showed up last night. It was great. For those of you who couldn't make it, we'll see you at the next one. And yeah, I've got a quick announcement. For those of you who are interested, maybe you've been waiting for this because you really, really want to get on the Patreon and you've been waiting and you just can't handle it. Uh, we finally have access to annual subscriptions on Patreon. So those of you who are already Patreon members may have seen this. Um, but if you join today or if you're already a member on Patreon, you can sign up for a whole year of IRCB and get 16% off which i think results in like if you're paying at the five dollar tier it's like four dollars a month instead of five which is super cool so make sure to go do that uh if you're if you're interested and you can get access to all the stuff that we're going to be doing for the next year including a better batmobile um our every other month goodreads book of the month episodes ircb movie club giant days of our lives uh saga of saga which is going to be coming back once we get the first arc of saga out i'm really really excited so yeah make sure to go do that uh and for those of you that are also interested if you join at the ten dollar tier and you want to commission an episode uh, we do have one of those slots open you can get that at the annual subscription membership with the 16 percent off so anyways enough of our our unplugging of our own stuff let's talk about comic books i've got two legally mandated questions i need to ask and that's how have you been how have comic books been let's start with you kara okay so I came on the show today specifically to yell about Lord of the Rings, even though it's not related to comics at all. Although, How dare you? Although, you know, maybe it will. Okay, so hello, fellow nerds. As you <laughs> might recall, in the early 2000s, Peter Jackson gave us a gift, a true gift in the Lord of the Rings films. And a few months ago, I felt extremely seen when the New York Times published an article that was, um, I think, written by a woman around my age who the thesis of the article was essentially women around my age love Lord of the Rings and mm -hmm. it has a deep significance for us. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm not alone. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, Am I a woman your age? <laughs> well, like dudes like it, too. But I think because it's a story that is like 90 percent about dudes doing dude shit in a fan mm -hmm, in a mm -hmm. high fantasy realm i think it was surprising to people that women liked it in the same way that women liking star wars was somehow surprising to people it's right, like, right right it's right it's a good story it's about friendship and love and being a good person and also you know <laughs> weird side quests and sometimes things get linguisticy so it's it's fun <laughs> but anyway so as you may know uh Amazon Studios bought the rights to J.R.R. Tolkien's The Cimmerillion, which is basically like the back matter for Lord of the Rings. Because mm -hmm. um, in like a once in a lifetime auction, the Tolkien estate was like, well, I mean, I guess we can sell the rights to The Cimmerillion. And <laughs> Jeff Bezos is, you know, to no one's surprise, a huge nerd and was like, literally any amount of money you want, just take it. I will throw all of the money at my studio to make this piece of prestige film work. And estimates are that the full series will cost a billion dollars, which I think is insane. Yeah. A big number. Um. Yeah, it's a big number. Anyway, so season one 
is coming out in September, and you might have already seen the trailer or the teaser trailer for season one, which I feel like was met with the resounding, ah! <laughs> it's just like everyone looking at it, a little the head tilted to the side, and a little bit of skepticism. And mm-hmm. in the most in the most recent issue of Vanity Fair, the like two of the the writers i think finally were allowed to speak to press about it like nobody is allowed to talk to anybody about this show like apparently the tolkien scholar that they had on staff gave an interview that was unauthorized to like a german outlet and he got like disappeared it's like what it's like no longer on the show like Jeff they don't Bezos even send him to space. <laughs> they don't even tell you who their current Tolkien scholar is because they don't want anyone to like make the nerd talk to another nerd. So oh, the, you know, so the whole thing is it just it sounds insane. And this article was like allowed to reveal that basically this takes place in the second age of Middle Earth when Galadriel and Elrond were young and the rings of power didn't quite exist yet. And Mm -hmm. they straight up are making new characters and merging a lot of plots together. So I am sure it is a thing that will make like major Tolkien nerds a little like skin crawly. But for most of us, like the average person has not read the Silmarillion. (laughs) So we'll probably Mm -hmm. be fine. For the seven people who read the Silmarillion, it's going to be a bad adaptation. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So for the rest of us, I'm sure as long as it's like good writing, decent acting, of course, the special effects will be bonkers. Like it should be fine. But of course, money is no guarantee of quality. So anyways, this all comes back to my comic reading journey because I started mm-hmm. reading Star Wars The High Republic Volume 1. Some would call the Silmarillion of the Skywalker series, right? <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and, better not. <laughs> you know, so, so I finally, it took me a while to start reading this because when the High Republic stuff for Star Wars first started coming out, um, it was like a couple novels and I asked resident Star Wars expert Brian what he thought Mm -hmm. about them and he was like they're fine so it didn't put them at the top of my list because they're fine is not a ringing endorsement and i stand by that for the record so so when they were doing the comics i was like god this is such a cash grab you just want to make more money and you know you can only do so much with the skywalker timeline god damn it and then i i actually started reading it and i know nick has a lot of feelings about how this is like not Skywalker but how dare they include Yoda and Yoda's appearance in the first volume of this comic book just made me think about this thing that I just read about this Silmarillion adaptation where it's like how do you make people care about something new that's a prequel you have to include something related to the thing that they already know and love so in the case of the High Republic it's saying look it's baby Yoda, not Grogu, the real Yoda as a baby. It's <laughs> <laughs> like middle-aged Yoda. Middle-aged right, right. Yoda. And in the case of this Lord of the Rings adaptation, it's like, look, young Galadriel, young Elrond. Do you remember Isildur from the first five minutes of the first movie? He's here too. And it's like, okay, I, s- I know you have to do this, but do you have to do this? 
on the bright side, he pretty much like just showed up and was like, and was like, oh hey Yoda, and then we moved on. Like that's you know what that's true. So this this first um this first issue of Star Wars: The High Republic, it felt very obviously like a sequel to the novels I haven't read yet. So the whole mm. time I was like, this is clearly referencing things that already happened that they expect me to care about already, and fine but also annoying because i want to be able to dive into something and not necessarily have read multiple novels beforehand however i am not mad because the joys of a comic book and having visual storytelling on your side they have some like punk huts (laughs) in this story it's like this part of like the hut clan which sure i guess the huts are, are have been running a gangster empire for a thousand years plus if they're showing sure. up in the high republic like if you have a criminal enterprise that's successful why are we even talking about the empire why was the big bad not the huts <laughs> like for real so um i really appreciated the visual of this one hut rolling up on um the jedi with like a high ponytail and spikes everywhere and it just like the whole thing looked like something out of mad max except it was a hut (laughs) and whenever the huts are whenever the huts are shown to be active beings i'm like they are literally slugs stop it danny in the chat just posted uh in our discord chat for those of you at home who want to come listen to our episodes live uh danny posted a picture of a hut with a six-pack and i feel like i have seen a cursed image today so it's it's not that one but yeah uh, yeah. That's the one. He's from the uh, the Poe Dameron comics, I think, right? Mm-hmm. That's or, a, that's or maybe a just from the main hut. Star Wars line. I don't. But yeah, it was a, so a many... hut that was jacked, and it was yeah. not good. <laughs> Play, that was played by thing. Dwayne the Rock Johnson for some reason. <laughs> um, so I guess Kara, the question is: Do you do you enjoy? Did you enjoy Star Wars: The High Republic Volume One, or what's your thoughts? You're going to keep reading it? Um, I will keep reading it because I don't know. It's with Star Wars. There's so much of it that's mediocre that when I'm given additional mediocre Star Wars content, I'm just like, okay, (laughs) this tracks. Like, it's really Mm -hmm, exciting mm -hmm. when there's really good stuff, and then it's really disappointing when there's really bad stuff, and most of it is just fine. So, (laughs) like, this is is just fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I get you. Yeah, that's my my nerd slash comic journey for the moment. Um... How about you, Brian, since I kept dragging you into this part of the conversation? Oh, you know, I'm happy to be there. Um, <laughs> I I finally got around to reading The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, <gasps> which I know has been recommended on like every third episode of this show for the last, I don't know, year. Mm-hmm. But I, I finally, uh, finally grabbed the trade paperback off Hoopla, uh, so I was able to read it all in one go. Uh, this is uh, by Ramvi and Felipe Andrade, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it for the first, like, half of the first issue. Like, it, it just wasn't wasn't grabbing me until, like, the main character, Death, comes back in this girl Layla's body, escapes from a hospital, and is hit by a bus. Oh. <laughs> and, and that was the point where I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those kinds of books. Mm-hmm. And so for the rest of the series, it's all about her experiencing a brief time on Earth and interacting with this one guy who is going to go on to create immortality, uh, which Death wants to put a stop to because that would put Death out of a job. 
but every time death dies she comes back x amount of time later so we see her like going to going to kill him as a baby and then as a child and eventually they develop this sort of like weird fondness for each other and he sort of like i don't know how to describe the relationship honestly it's 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 interesting though sort of like a friendly rivals slash peers yeah frenemies i think that's yeah frenemies Frenemies almost a good good description yeah especially by the end of the book but i mean i mean that that series in my opinion deserves like an entire dedicated issue by issue breakdown discussion because i think i as as someone who read it month to month uh it was wild to see that book come out because it works so well in a serialized format because Mm -hmm. each issue is kind of standalone but if you read them all together in a go like it's extremely powerful as a as a run so i i really have to credit the team for that especially just for creating something so cohesive but also extremely standalone and it's got a lot of like interesting ruminations on you know the nature of life and death and is immortality really a thing that we want as a species like would that take away from the specialness of life if it never ended mm-hmm. ah, i thought it was thought it was interesting yeah i'm i'm glad you got, th- got around to reading it um if only because i want everybody to read it but that's that's maybe just me <laughs> mike will not stop until he has assimilated everyone yes yes I, i've given up on x-men i figure if i can find some other books that i can get people to read um then i can finally have something in common with everyone yeah well this is this is five issues instead of five decades so it'll be a right. little easier to to get people on board i think yeah exactly exactly how about you mike uh, well, one of the books I read this past week, I mean, I've been, my, my week has been less chaotic as far as just life in general goes, still trying to like manage a house thing. So you're probably going to miss me on the show for a couple of weeks coming up. But um, beyond that, I did actually sit down and read a bunch of books that came out and the stuff that I've just been sitting on for a little while. Uh, one of the books is The Eternals, The Heretic, number one. This is written by Kieran Gillen, uh, pencils and inks by Ryan Bodenheim and uh, Edgar Salazar, colors by Chris O'Halloran and letters by Clayton Coles. Um, this is like a one shot that I think was developed late last year that Marvel had been sitting on. And again, I don't know the specifics of it. I can't remember the, the timeline on it, but Ryan Bodenheim unfortunately passed away very recently and so there was kind of this worry of like is this issue going to come out is this is it fine for us to put out the last issue or last creation of this creator even though it's unfinished um but i think ultimately the decision was to bring edgar salazar to come in to try to adapt his style to ryan's to make it all look cohesive um and i will say like as a as a one shot like this is some incredible work uh, from a storytelling standpoint, Ryan Bodenheim's art, if you've seen it before, you know exactly the level of absolute beauty that this guy is able to convey just in terms of precise, vivid drawings that he, he puts on page. And it, it's very classic standard comic book stuff. It's not like painterly or like a style that's way out there, but it's it's extremely beautiful stuff. If you look up anything that the guy had worked on, um, it's all amazing. And this is some of his finest work. Um, to say the least. So um, I, I really, really love this one shot. Not just not just for the reason of it being Ryan's last work, but also because it's just a beautiful, well told story about this this uh, reimagining from from Gillen's standpoint of Uranus, the Undying, um, like an old Jack Kirby character that has kind of lived in the background um, in the Eternals world. And like, if you're reading Gillen's Eternals, this is a perfect 
one shot to add some supplementary information to what's going on in the overall like eternal story specifically around what's happening with thanos and um i i've pretty much come to the decision that i really like how gillen writes his villains like no matter whether they are a tiny little child in loki or they are a huge titan of the um you know, the world like Uranus or Thanos, he writes these menacing characters that don't have to do much to be intimidating. Like there is a really beautiful way that he writes these characters that make them seem so menacing. And I, every single time, whether in all the works that I've, I've read from, from Gillen, I think he's done a stupendous job. And this is another one of those examples. Um, so so, as someone who really likes Gillen's Eternals, and I think everyone should be reading that book because it's, it's incredible ties into nothing up until it's going to tie into everything which sucks um but it's, it's been such a fantastic series um and this one shot and all the other one shots have been great supplementary stories uh i said this at the hangout last night but i think like all of the one shots that gillen has done as part of this series are great and it's the way that i think comics should approach doing like events in general where there are one shots and i think the death of dr strange is a perfect example of this as well where you do a main storyline and it's an, it's an own its own story and then you have these one shots that aren't necessarily important for you to read but they do tie into the story um and maybe that's the way that that events have been done in the past but i just not paying attention but i really like the way that that was done i really like the way that they've done that for the eternal so everyone should go read that book because it's killer except for it's going to eventually cross over into avengers and x-men and that makes me so furious um i i just want to throw up i mean the reasoning is sound the reasoning is sound right uh if you're reading eternals you know why but if you're not, it's so frustrating because it's stupid. They didn't need to tie into all the other books. But, um, yeah, this big event that's coming up, Danny posted called Judgment Day. <sighs> I don't know. I'm going to read it because I'm a sucker. Like, I trust Gillen. But, you know, what? at the time when Fear Itself came out, I trusted Matt Fraction and look what happened. So, um, we'll see what happens. Mike has been hurt um, before. I have. Okay, I have speaking, been. Speaking of events that will hurt you, um, I was on Wikipedia the other day and saw that an upcoming event from DC is called Dark Crisis, and I almost threw my laptop out the window. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How well, dare you? I mean, they've got to find any adjective that they can put in front of crisis at this point, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, do you know what? Do you know what I woke up mad about in the Marvel Universe, Mike? Please, tell me. I woke up mad about the, you know, we talk all the time about how this thing called money and rights influence decisions. And I was thinking about how the first Marvel Cinematic Universe film we got that had a leading lady was Captain Marvel. And the only reason Captain Marvel became a thing is because Marvel didn't have the rights to the X-Men and so couldn't make Storm their leaning lady like we all know she mm. is. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I just woke up really mad that we never got a Storm movie. I mean... Like, where's that? Uh, 2029. I'm sure that Kevin Feige <laughs> has something in the works. Um, but, <laughs> Kara, was there, was there any other comics you wanted to talk about while we're here? I, I realize that we're, we're just kind of jumping all over the place today. Wait, you know what? I feel all over the place today, so it's fine. Um, well, uh, I guess my one last note about Star Wars The High Republic is I realize that all words are made up words, but, okay. it's, <laughs> but it's really weird reading a Star Wars comic and every other word from one character is clearly supposed to be a curse, but because it's not a real curse word... 
Mm. There's no context, and I just think it's a weird Star Wars word until another character says, language, young lady. <laughs> Let Star Wars say fuck 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean that adult Star Wars comic where people are oh swearing? It just it, it just took me out of the story and made me roll my eyes. <laughs> I just want to tune into like season three of The Mandalorian and have him bang his helmet on something and just go, fuck. <laughs> just give us one next season. Just the one. No, oh no my they God. have they have dank ferric for their swear word. Oh right, 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 right. <laughs> we all know all the swearing is done by R two D two. It's already bleeped. True. That's true. why he talks in bleeps. So, um, I, the other comic that I read, which I don't know if we would classify this as like a straight up comic, but cast your mind back to the internet ten years ago when you definitely came across the hyperbole and a half comics when they were online mm-hmm. and not published yet. Um, specifically the one panel where it's a a little like scribbly humanoid figure in a pink top thrusting a broom into the air with the expression, clean all the things above its head. Um, And if that rings a bell, you were on the internet 10 years ago. Congratulations. And maybe like seven or eight years ago now, these comics slash stories were collected in book form called hyperbole and a, and a half and the creator is ali brosh and i just remember discovering these comics and thinking they were the funniest shit like my friends and i would just send each other links when a new one was posted and i would laugh oh, until yeah. i thought my sides were gonna split and in book form you really can see that it is sort of a combo of comic and prose because there will be like one panel and then a few paragraphs of text and maybe then like a series of panels so because of the series of sequential panels all classified as like a sort of comic they're they're very funny and um i woke up from a scary nightmare last night and i was like i need to read something funny before i go back to bed Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I picked up my copy of Hyperbole and a half and I skipped only to the chapters about dogs because there are <laughs> se- there are several because um the creator Ali Brush at the point that they were making these these online comics had two dogs the special I think they're like the special dog and the helper dog and the special dog is the, it's described as a sea cucumber with legs, like does not understand how to be a dog. And the helper dog is, it sounds like an, like an insane dog, like a dog that I would be genuinely terrified to be around, like thinks other dogs shouldn't exist, just barking, raging all the time. And I'm just like, good Lord. But like seeing the drawings of these dogs as just these akimbo limbed piles of energy just like the energy of being a dog is captured so beautifully in these janky comics that it was just exactly exactly what i needed to read i just love the like thought bubbles for these dogs that are very reminiscent of the cheeseburger cat type of speaking <laughs> like those <was> like <laughs> we're really getting nostalgic with these memes over here i right? know but it's like it's not complete like s- like proper syntax sentences it's it's like am dog what do it's it's like pre <laughs> it's pre doge but like that kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but that I, was I the laugh, right thing here i am turning away from the mic when i breathe so. <laughs> oh my gosh all right um yeah, i'm gonna so end that... the show right now uh 
so that was my little little humorous nostalgia trip last night that sounds fantastic yeah it was um, nice <laughs> brian what about you any any other comics you want to talk about yeah i've also been going back a little bit uh not nearly as far uh only to about last summer when oh, okay. for some reason i just stopped reading any shonen jump comics like <gasps> i just i don't know why i had the app i had the subscription i kept paying for it i just <laughs> wasn't reading them anymore so i finally uh buckled down and read my hero academia um numbers 322 through 348 um so i'm i'm all caught up on that now um yeah i guess people aren't happy with how it went Mm -hmm. i guess i get it like it's it's different than like it's definitely not like a superhero high school anymore i don't know I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's a cool superhero book. I don't know where where three forty eight gets you to. Um, can you can you ma- I, get? Give I am a brief fully describer. Oh, you're fully caught up. Okay, 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 okay. Is it? Okay, <laughs> it's not. But I don't. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about what's happening to my hero academia, and part of it is like, is mostly that I. I've been reading it, and I agree with you. I feel like there's an organic transformation in development in the direction that uh, uh, Horikoshi took, or Horikoshi took the book. Right? He tried to not just say, and then there's just going to keep being tournaments, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which you know what? Good for him. I'm glad that he tried to to move away from that. Um, I I do think though that some of the choices of Deku as a character have been maybe annoying, but and and maybe there's like some weird rapid evolution of the character that I was like, I guess we're just going to do that. Um, but I, I I would say, like, I wouldn't say that it's awful, but it's definitely not as great as maybe a hundred chapters before, but that's just me. So Is this a manga that should have stopped story-wise, but kept going because it was so successful, and now it's just doing the repetitive thing where they don't know what to do, and they get off the rails in places? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because we're not, we haven't like had a big like it's done. We beat the final boss, and then had right. another 150 chapters. Or anything right. Like this that. isn't Bleach, <laughs> 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 which is exactly what happened in Bleach. But okay, well, you know, Brian, I'm I'm glad you're caught up because I I I feel like it's me and maybe one or two people on the subreddit that or not subreddit the uh, the Discord that are caught up, and it's there's a lot of like mixed emotions in the group so maybe we'll have to talk more about this with full spoilers i really enjoyed the uh like the very akira moment in one of the later chapters oh yes when one character grows a massive arm with a bunch of other arms and hands sprouting out of it just that sounds disgusting an absolute nightmare um (laughs) it is it is pretty cool from like an artistic perspective too i think like wait but from a biological perspective, if you suddenly sprouted lots of arms, would your heart be able to pump blood up to all those arms? Wouldn't your just hands get numb almost instantly because your body couldn't support the extra appendages? Ah, uh, see, but they have quirks, so... Yeah, you're, you're trying to bring uh, science into a superhero manga where, like, <laughs> one of the characters is an orca. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Their principal is a dog, I think. Yeah, he's like a teddy bear or something. Yeah, he's some kind of something. animal that has a superpower that makes him a principal. 
Why are you <laughs> unclear about the type of creature this is? I thought you read like 300 chapters about this. Well, they never say what type of creature oh, he is. And <laughs> yeah. if you look at him, he does just look like a stuffed animal. Yeah. Oh, so maybe it's just a stuffed animal. Could be. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get his dark history because he has a scar over his eye at yeah. some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a scar over his eye, so you know he's a badass. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, let me get through two real book, two more books before we we take a quick break and get into into our top of our pile. Um, so I have I read No Love Lost Alpha. I think it's No Love Lost Alpha. It's got a little alpha symbol um, by Luca Oliveri. This is from Peow Studios. Um, everyone should go buy this book before they this company goes out of business. They are like they've made a conscious effort to just stop publishing in 2022. So like there's only so many books left that they're publishing and i read this book it it, it feels like a studio ghibli movie gone sci-fi with a little bit more like the only way i can describe it is like indie movie sexualization you know like if you ever watch like an indie movie where there's like a asexual thing happening it's kind of like not treated like romantically it's kind of treated almost too real it kind of makes you cringe at how real it is um that's the energy that i get from pieces of this book that's not the whole book um nothing is super explicit but there's just like some sexual energy that like crops up in the story um but it's ultimately about these two people who are paired together through this scientific exploration thing as part of earth's expanding you know galaxy traversing um everything that happens in like a million other sci-fi stories and their goal is to go out and um, go to planets where rogue terraforming robots have decided to just be bad and not follow orders anymore um, because they ultimately just want to destroy the planets that they go to instead of terraform them. And their job is to go out and stop them. And they get separated and land on opposite ends of this um, very far out there um uh, what do you call it? Like territory that people are living on, our colony. And uh, so throughout the whole story, they're trying to get to each other. But along the way, very, like I said, Studio Ghibli-esque events happen where you just like meet these people that live on this farm and you kind of live with them for a minute as they're like, we got to get enough energy and all this stuff in order to go into town so we could take you to an airport so you could fly to the other side of this world where your friend is. But the whole story is like super slow and deliberate, like a winding stream. Like every turn reveals something interesting that answers something, but also begs more questions about the overall like world that this entire story takes place in and um while like romance and this this couple's relationship is the core of the story um there's a really interesting bigger story that's happening that is not the focus of like rebellion and like cover-ups and like spy missions and people who are bounty hunters happening all on the outside and the peripheral of the story um i i really really liked it and i i can't I can't not recommend it to people. Like, I didn't think it was a perfect story, but it was really, really interesting to read from start to finish. It feels like a really thick manga book. It feels like, um, but it reads like in a Western style left to right, but it looks like a Studio Ghibli movie put to paper. It's really, really cool. Um, so yeah, like the more I unpack this story, the more I think about it, the more I feel like it's a really super rich and dense story that you can breeze through and it leaves you thinking about it for a really long time. That's kind of how I've been for the last couple of days after having read it. So highly recommend this. Go buy this book. It's only available in physical editions. It's 17 bucks, but it's like worth every penny because the quality of the paper, the quality of the printing, everything is super, super top notch. Um, so I highly recommend it. The one other book I do want to talk about before we go into our break is Eight Lane Runaways. Uh, this is by Henry McCausland. 
I've been looking at this book for a while, and so I won't I won't talk about it too de- in depth too much. But um, it's a really weird like ninety four page OGN about people who live in this really bizarro world where everything is revolved around racing and like racing in a foot race and all the, there are no roads there are no cars everyone just runs everywhere and the story follows like five or six people and they, the number of people changes throughout the story based on how the story develops and they're just running down this track that has been painted and it cuts through everything and it cuts through every aspect of the world and as they run they run into other people who are also part of the race but they've decided to stop and like you know make food or stop and work at this like convenience store for a little while before they continue on the race and i thought it like the whole story was really interesting to me because it was like a metaphor for life in a way that feels so on the nose that you're like that can't quite possibly be what it is but the more you read it it's like damn this dude is just talking about how like you know as we go through life everyone has their own reasons for participating in the quote-unquote race and we all take our own turns and twists but we are all on the same path ultimately sometimes that path becomes unclear and sometimes there is no path to even follow but we have to persevere forward because we know at the end there's a finish line in some capacity and we're all trying to achieve something and I was really floored by how such a small little book could have such a deep message. Like, I'm not even scratching the surface in in, um, what I think uh, McCausland was trying to get across in the story, but uh, I really, really liked it. I want to read it again, and I want to get a hardcover and look at the beautiful imagery that is in this book um, because it's it's really well drawn. It's all black and white, um, like really thin lines and stuff, but some of the two-page spreads were just like, that took you days to, to just finish the this two-page spread. So um, overall, really impressed, really like that book. It's from Fanagraphics. I'm a sucker for a lot of their books. So As you started describing that, my brain went Snowpiercer plus The Caucus Race from Alice in Wonderland. But mm. clearly it's a little deeper than that. Yeah, I think like... I don't know. It doesn't seem like for, on the surface when you look at it, it doesn't look like it's supposed to be this book with all these deep metaphors and stuff. But maybe that's just me taking away from that from the book because it's kind of just like a bizarro reminds me of like a Wes Anderson like kind of goofy short film um, that has just like no sense if you think about any of the things that are happening in the story too hard you go that doesn't make sense that's stupid but like there's a comedy there that that works to say like oh that's kind of funny we're gonna move on because no one page or no few pages settle on a piece of the story for too long because the story has to keep moving forward because this race has to keep moving forward it's I don't know. I think it's really, really smart, really fun. Um, it's like a really nice, like, I just need something quick to read that is actually going to be super meaningful and doesn't take a lot for me to unpack it. And uh, I think this one definitely is there. Again, another book that I've just been thinking about since I read um, just because of how cool I thought it was overall. So highly recommend that one. So it's nice to find those books that um, end up living rent free in your brain. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's an overused expression, but I really do feel like it's the best one in situations like that where you're just like, yes, this is just part of me now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's weird because it's like I never would have thought that a book like that that looked kind of just goofy on the surface would be so impactful. But I think that's always the type of book that ends up, you know, kind of scratching your brain for a few days is something that you would least expect. So mm-hmm. um, I appreciate it. But. Yeah, let's let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna do um, talk about what's on the top of our pile and all that stuff, and wrap up the show. So we'll be back in just a second. To 
wrap up this week's episode, we're going to be talking about comics that are on the top of our pile, comics we're excited to read next. The next thing that we're excited about, whether that's new comics, old comics, or something that we're rereading for the 50th time. Um, so let's let's just jump right into things and start with you, Kara. What are, what's on the top of your pile? Okay, you're going to laugh. <laughs> I'm going to get okay. so much judgment. All right, so do you guys remember a few weeks ago when I was like, I'm going to read the Twilight manga because it's important to read things that other people might be reading a lot of, even if it's not something in your own category. Mm-hmm. Just to like yeah. see what's out there. Okay, so first of all, Twilight as a manga slaps. It is so good <laughs> as a manga. <laughs> it works very well with the uh kind of like tropes and aesthetics that you would expect from i've definitely read that and i have no memory of it yeah there's a lot of like (laughs) sparkles and dramatic close-ups and it just like felt very moody which is the general atmosphere i get from watching the movies i still haven't read the books t is trying to get me to read them but Mm um yeah it's a That's my little update on that. But um, when thinking about what I would want to read next, I was kind of thinking about how um, a lot of my a lot of my fellow hosts are getting deeper and deeper into manga. And I'm like, but but everyone else is doing that. I need to be a weirdo about it. I need something else that (laughs) can differentiate my skill set. Uh huh. (laughs) The Nick White approach to manga. Gotcha. So, I remembered that uh, one of my friends who uh, reads some Cantonese and Mandarin has been getting fully immersed in the prolific world of Danmei stories. And I might be mispronouncing that, but Mm -hmm. basically it's the Chinese version of Yaoi. So, if you're familiar with Japanese manga, Yaoi is the subgenre that is focused on um, male male romances and generally written for a heterosexual female audience instead of hmm. a queer male audience. And Danmei is like the Chinese version of that. So more like manhua instead of uh, manga. But it's it's like visually it would look kind of the same to the average Western comic reader. But obviously there are some like cultural and stylistic differences there. And mm-hmm. the Danmei so, <laughs> genre is so huge we can't even comprehend it over here. Okay, so like these sure. to- like the top series in this have quote billions of views. Which oh. <laughs> yeah. So there's only it, it again, most of these are in Mandarin or Cantonese, and they're mostly like either published online as like a webcomic or maybe not necessarily supported like a studio so more like a dojinshi if you want another Japanese manga correlation like a fan comic as opposed to like a studio backing you or a publisher backing you mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. because this genre is so widely read um, through some like internet literate people in who can like read these Chinese languages, they've started uh, translating some of them into English. So um, the the two that I was told to check out 
All right, I think they're both published by Seven Seas, so that should give yeah. you an idea I mean, of the level Seas of quality that we're good looking stuff. at I mean, here. but I, I, I should... understand what you mean, because some of their less than reputable works are definitely... Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I mean... And, and I should preface, I should have prefaced all of this by saying that, again, the friend who has been reading just, like, I cannot even comprehend how much she has read in the past few months. Right. She says That's all of it is bad, but she can't stop. Most people that I know that are reading stuff like this so are usually preface it with, this is very bad, but I want you to read it. <laughs> it's like, this is so bad. So, she like, I just get these, like, weekly text updates of her just being like, so I woke up at four <laughs> and I read, like, a thousand more pages of Don May. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, the ones in English that she said, these are the least bad ones <laughs> that you can get in English. Um, one of them is called Grandmaster oh, yeah. of Demonic Cultivation. And the, I think this is, like, the Chinese title of it, which I apologize if I'm mispronouncing. I don't speak mandarin or cantonese okay. it's modao zushi and it's like a. first of all they preface the blurb with okay. it's a new york times bestseller <laughs> and it also is a netflix show mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is a big thing so it's like even if you are not into manga aware of don may watching anything like this on netflix like millions of people are reading this so as somebody who is interested in comics it's something to be aware of so this uh grandmaster of demonic cultivation is like the the one guy is he's like trying to win at a war and so he's trying to win through demonic cultivation and everyone starts being afraid of him and eventually he dies and everyone's like hell yes and then it's like eventually he awakens and he awakens in the body of another dude who's just like sure guy who reincarnated into me you can have my body to get revenge on people so it's like i am not even like a like half a paragraph into the description of the premise of this book and already it sounds insane but yeah (laughs) but you this is but I, I've seen I feel like I've seen stuff like this. There's a show on Netflix that's that's this, right? I, I think I think you mentioned that and the, the Netflix show is called The Untamed. The Untamed, yes. And it's like it all historical fiction. Series. Right? It's all historical ish yes. yes. fiction. Yeah. Yes. And then the other one that I was told to look at is mm-hmm. called is another New York Times bestseller. This one is Heaven Official Blessings. Okay. Heaven Heaven's Official Blessings? Heaven Official's Blessing. Um, or Tianguan Chifu. And this one, it's actually unclear if this is a comic yeah. or a novel. <laughs> but it's also published by Seven Seas. And there are interior illustrations. And again, this is like, you know, more... Um, more like medieval fantasy but like chinese medieval not western medieval um this one is another i think another reincarnation one or he's like yeah 800 years after his mortal life xie lian has ascended to godhood for the third time now only a lowly scrap collector he is dispatched to wander the earthly realm to take on tasks appointed by the heavens to pay back debts and maintain his divinity 
and he's graced with the company of a mysterious young man with whom he feels an instant okay. connection. Yes, like already, yes, thank you. I'm here for your ridiculous, over-the-top, spanning the centuries, ancient person, modern person <laughs> romance. That's the whole oh, vampire no. thing, except instead of vampires, God they're like reincarnated gods. Okay. Fine. Fine, I'll try it. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'll like it, but you know, millions of readers can't be wrong. I'm not necessarily saying True. they're right, but there must be something <laughs> right. here that's worth reading. I was gonna say millions of readers <laughs> could absolutely be wrong. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, those sound great and I cannot wait to hear your updates on them as you get through them. Because they look like novels that are illustrated i don't know but i'm sure that it's going to be an experience nonetheless for you Please so i look back. forward to hearing yeah, yeah like yeah. unclear if it's a comic or not but some of it seems there's illustrators credited so there must at least be pictures oh yeah so, oh yeah <laughs> so i don't know this is like a whole new world I'll, I'll report back if i come back and i say sorry guys it wasn't a comic you'll be like well <laughs> Guess you can't is, make me read prose. <laughs> guess this is just a media podcast now. Doesn't yeah, matter yeah. the format. <laughs> well, Brian, what about you? What are what's on the top of your pile? Uh, I'm finally going to finish Immortal Hulk. <gasps> nice. This for some reason, like I love Immortal Hulk. I've read the first eight. I might have read the first nine volumes, but I don't really remember. So I'm going to reread volume nine just in case. Mm-hmm. But I just forget about it. You know, like. I read four volumes in bed, like, because I can't go to sleep until I'm done reading all of them. Right. And then yeah. I don't think about the series for three months. Yep. And I, I, mean, I don't know why I'm like that, but. Brian, that's my problem with Aquaman. Mike definitely told me to read Kelly Sudaconic's run on Aquaman, and I checked mm-hmm. everything out on Hoopla, and I started reading it, and I was like, I read this already. <laughs> I could not tell you what happens, but I definitely read it already. Sometimes comics are just like that, you know? Yeah. I Yeah, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel that. Sometimes where I have to just go back and get a quick Wikipedia refresher after I've read, you know, like nine volumes of a manga. I'm just like, what happened in Haikyuu? What actually happened so far? Uh, well, volleyball. that series is particularly, yeah. Well, it's particularly <laughs> crazy because like, you're like, did this team win? Wait, why is that team considered a dominant team even though the Haikyuu team won, but they only won by one point and it was because that guy was out and he broke his wrist. But now that he's back, they actually are at the disadvantage, even though he's the best player on their team. So I like usually have to get a little synopsis about what happened in the storyline so far. I mean, that's um, why I get annoyed with series that run too long, because you do hit a point where you're like, what happened again? <laughs> what yeah. am I supposed yeah. to remember? Listen, I've after reading One Piece, I'm never going to stop saying that for the record. Just I hope if you're not, <laughs> if you're not sick of it on the show yet, I'm never going to stop saying it. Uh, after reading One Piece, I realized that it's possible to read a lot keep barely anything and still know what's going on so um it's totally possible <laughs> yeah it's like i don't remember a lot of these things but i have these weird like mnemonic keys in my head where when i see something <laughs> referencing them that it, that i remember it yes yes <laughs> that's that's very yeah that's very accurate to my recollection methods as well uh well i'm excited to see you read the end of this series brian if only because i thought it was pretty good and i'm excited to hear what you think about it because um Immortal Hulk's a solid series. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm equal parts excited to see how it ends and kind of sad to see Ewing's run ending. 
mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. I I have heard that the series that followed it was not very good. Well, before we bring up he who must not be named on this podcast, Donny Gates, um, I'm going to just say, just yeah. what I've you know. heard. I don't know if it's good or not, Danny. <laughs> Get off my case. So, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of the number one, but then again, like, sometimes... I just explosions aren't everything in a comic, but who knows? Maybe it's good as, as like an arc by arc story, you know? Who knows? But Danny, um, yeah. Well, for me, I am excited for a book. I guess before I get into my pick, I should shout out some of our Discord folks that are hanging out with us um, today. We had Danny hanging out with us, who's picked Godzilla versus the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one, which I think I should change my pick to because I didn't even know this was coming out. Yeah, and that sounds awesome. I'm sold. Uh, ha- Hannah is picking is reading X-Men. Uh they said that they're close to Secret Wars, which I'm sorry because I remember those books at the time not being great. So I hope mm. you're enjoying them. Um and Paul G said they're reading The Abominable Charles Christopher, which I don't know what that is, but a title like that, I mean, sounds like something I should look up. But yeah, I the book that I'm excited for this week, I don't know what's happening in my life, but I'm slowly but surely reading more and more DC comics, if only because they feel more approachable than anything else that's coming out from the big two. Uh, so I'm excited for Rogues Number 1. This is by Joshua Williamson with pencils and inks by Massimilano Leomax, colors by Matt Lopez, and letters by Hassan Otsmani Elhow. And I am super excited about this book because it's a it's a heist featuring all the rogues i don't even know who those people are but it's <gasps> like a dream world it's, it's, I, I know like, i know it's flash is bad it, guys right it, Mike. it is it is it is and so like joshua williamson has been writing the flash for a long time or at least he did write the flash for a long time and i liked the flash that i read of his i just fell off because i don't care that much about the flash at least not enough to read it for like 100 issues but i thought this book was going to be all about like i thought it was going to be an x-men book it was all about the rogues but that's you know dc supervillains so the the synopsis of this is 10 years ago the rogues disbanded and went their separate way but time hasn't been kind to the former blue collar super criminals caught in an endless cycle of prison rehab dead-end jobs broken relationships probation and endless restitution fees the rogues are sick of paying for their crimes luckily captain cold has a plan one last job that'll leave them all the richer than their wildest dreams and free them from their past if they can survive how do you not pick up this book uh, with that premise i mean come on we're sick like, of babies. being punished for our crimes we're gonna do crime about it <laughs> <laughs> exactly but like it's it's a heist book and i am a sucker like let's let's do this i'm all for it. seven dollar cover price i might as well just eat my fucking ipad <laughs> but either way is it like double size or something i i'm sure that it's probably like 48 pages or something like that uh but I'm excited for this. It sounds cool. Joshua Williamson does a great job writing Captain Cold. I know this. I've read his Captain Cold stuff in The Flash. So I'm very excited. It's a, it's a black label book Danny's pointing out to me. So it's got that extra like, we, we might say the F word ah. <laughs> in this book. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've liked oh some God. of the black label stuff that I've read. No joke. There, there's been some pretty good things. And I, I trust Joshua Williamson to do a pretty solid job. Like his nail biter work was great. So seeing him do a more adult DC comic um, is interesting to me. I'm willing to dip on this. Plus, it's a heist. Plus, it's Captain Cold. Come on. This all sounds great. I'm excited. You had me at the rogues. All of a sudden, I'm in college again. And they're all I can think about. I, like, literally two years of my life, like, my number one nerdy thing that I was nerdy about was Flash's rogues. It was, like, I didn't need, like, I read as many 
comics about them that I could get my hands on. I was reading mm-hmm. people. There's like pre Wikipedia being really robust about comics. I was reading like fan sites about yeah. the different characters, live mm-hmm. journal fan fiction. Um, <laughs> pre AO3, we had live journal and fanfiction.net. And mm-hmm. I and the surely dozens of other people who also felt this strongly about the rogues had a very vibrant corner of the nerdy internet about them. And it got to the point where, like, the, you know, the the fan canon that emerges in a corner of the internet, like, feels realer to you when that what they're actually doing in the comics. Because generally <laughs> yeah. with, with Big Two... Com- generally with Big Two Comics, every few months or few years they're going to get a new creative team and Mm -hmm. generally that new creative team is not necessarily going to hold sacred everything that came before so things get choppy things get inconsistent something that you really liked about a character suddenly doesn't exist anymore but the nice part about the internet is that you can decide to keep the good things and forget all of the bad ones or you can just start writing fan fiction about why actually the trickster wouldn't have died before Final Crisis because he beat the devil in hell before and he could do it again. <laughs> it's canon. Why would you hell forget yeah. that? Hell yeah. <laughs> um, well, the thing the thing that makes these black label books great, Danny pointed this out in the chat, is that it they are not in continuity, right? They have no basis in whatever else DC is doing, which in my mind, DC has always excelled at this, right? Like doing their Elseworld stories or whatever you want to call them, where they're just like, yeah, we want to tell a Batman story about this, or we want to tell a, you know, Aquaman story about this, or a Wonder Woman story about this, and they're like not related. Like Daniel Warren Johnson's Dead Dead Earth, I think, series that he did um, about Wonder Woman was amazing, you know, and it has nothing to do with anything else that's going on at DC, and that's why it's approachable to folks like me who probably wouldn't pick up a regular continuity DC book. Um, so hopefully, Kara, you can see more of this stuff and you can get those moments of your favorite versions of those characters. Well, I mean, my fa- so my favorite version of the rogues is the one where they're all kind of... Um, this is like more or less around the time when Wally West was the Flash... Because mm-hmm. it was like Barry Allen, uh, God, for, okay, forties. Jay Garrick is the Flash. <laughs> then fifties, mm-hmm. Barry Allen is the Flash, and this was around the time when DC was just like extremely fifties. So the Flash and Green Lantern were both just like, like they're cops, you know. So <laughs> then, so it's like whenever there's a bad guy, it's like evildoer, you are going to jail now. And then in the, then it was like. Kid Fla- Wally West was Kid Flash in the Teen Titans, and then more towards like the '90s, he became Flash when Barry Allen disappeared into the Speed Force as part of um, Inf- Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's that's the speedster <laughs> version of going up to a farm upstate where there's lots yeah. of other speedsters to run around with. Stuff. <laughs> um, so then Wally became the Flash, and it was uh-huh. around this time when. Instead of him just doing what Barry was doing, which is just like, evildoer, you did wrong, go to jail. Wally was like, hey, man, do you need rehab? Like, can we talk about this? Do you? He was like, yeah, he was much more like, let me talk to you and figure out how to help you. Like, of course, Mm -hmm. if they're doing crime, they're going to jail. But Flash's rogues were generally less intense than Batman and Superman's rogues. Like, Mm -hmm. Superman's got... 
Lex Luthor trying to take over the world and Batman has Joker trying to murder everybody. And in Central or Keystone Cities, Captain Cold just wants to rob a bank so he and his buddies can hang out in their clubhouse and drink. Like, it's just a different (laughs) tier of intensity. And so, like, the kind of fan canon version that kind of emerged that I glommed onto was this idea that they're just like this group of lost boys Mm -hmm. who never want to grow up and have real responsibilities. And for various reasons, they've decided that crime dressed up in themed costumes is the way to do it. (laughs) And their themes are so good. (laughs) Like there's Captain Cold who has guns that shoot ice and there's Heatwave, who does the same thing but with fire guns. <laughs> Hell yeah. There's the weather wizard who can Hell yeah. control the weather. There's um Rainbow Raider, whose name Are is these... Roy G. Bivolo. Oh my god, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> like, yes. Dude, hold on. That's the sorry, that's the there... title of this episode. It's Roy G. Bivolo. <laughs> there's 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 mirror master who does stuff with mirrors. Oh uh-huh. my god! I uh, the there's golden... gorilla grod who is just a gorilla. We gorilla grod is a gorilla. Um, golden glider is the girl. Um, oh god, it's been a hot second since I thought about her. That's her I whole think... power is she's just the girl. I is think that what she's you're... captain. <laughs> I think she's captain cold's sister, and that's why she's allowed to hang out with the boys because it's she like no very TV no girls show. allowed. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. See, I this is the thing. The Flash is interesting to me because I did watch the Flash TV show and I liked the ridiculousness of it. And now hearing you talk about it, I go, the CW didn't have to ham anything up. They just no, wrote it as is. <laughs> oh my god! And then like, cause, because I got into these characters when um, DC was doing all their like lead up to the Final Crisis stuff, so like Countdown and um, Fifty Two and all that. And in Countdown, mm-hmm. two of the rogues were on the run from everybody for killing a Flash. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was Trickster and Pied Piper were handcuffed to each other and trying oh, yeah. to escape the bad guys and the good guys. Uh-huh. And Pied Piper is canonly gay and Trickster just spent the whole time making what now we would all recognize this very homophobic jokes. But at the time I was like, this is so cute. They're definitely going to bang. So like like just, <laughs> just did this. The boy's and only they, pulling your hair because he likes you. Right, right, right. Exactly. Oh my god. And then they actually like got to the point where like in the series, I remember this so vividly reading this because it was like literally Trickster was about he was like halfway through a sentence basically saying in this jerky way that he actually liked Piper. And then Mm -hmm. Deadshot shows up and fucking shoots him in the head. And I was like, are you for real? (laughs) As you can see, this thing happened over 10 years ago. I still feel very raw about it. And I was like, this is why gay people can't can't have nice things, I guess. Um, Jeez. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I hate how that ended, but I love that the like banter between those two characters and like the rogues having their whole drama like on the side of all that like got me into like learning about these characters and appreciating these characters and now whenever they Mm -hmm. show up in anything i'm just like my babies well they're they're back but i think they're all going to be old so you know if you want to see that uh this rogues book i think is where it's going to be i feel like captain cold is one of those characters who was born old 
Like he yes. just works better as a grizzled oldster. I mean, even on um, Legends of Tomorrow's on the CW, like the guy who plays Captain Cold isn't old, but you just look at him and you're like, that is one old man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get off my lawn. Old. He feels yeah. old. Yeah. <laughs> even though he's like kind of young and pretty fit, you're just like, this is the most curmudgeon-y 30-something I've ever seen <laughs> yeah. in my life. Exactly. Oh, God, I love them so much. He just wants to keep his little found family together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, well, I, I'm glad that we're all excited about the Flash's Rogues Gallery because you know I'm very yes. excited for this book, and Kara, I'll have to let you know how it is. You can go pick it up if you don't pick it up for yourself. But, um, I guess to wrap up the show, uh, next week's episode is going to be me and Nick and Renee. We're going to be digging through this huge pile of comped comics that various uh, publishers have sent me over the past year and we're just going to grab some stuff and maybe talk about things that we've never talked about on the show uh so look forward to that uh and as always you can follow us on twitter you can follow brian at brianhead kara at kara s sam you can follow me at irc me at mike rappin and you can follow the show at ircb podcast on twitter instagram and tiktok this episode first aired on patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons join today for exclusive series like the ircb movie club saga saga and more you can join us there at patreon.com slash ircb podcast if you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars on Apple Podcast, Spotify. Yes, they do have ratings or wherever you listen to podcasts because we deserve it. You can also join the IRCB Discord community to chat about comics and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. There's a link to our Discord in the show notes. Podcasts grow best when spread by word of mouth, so why not tell your friends, family, and local comic shop about IRCB? Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music, and we can't thank them enough. Xander is a very cool guy who makes us sound extra cool every single week, um, and I have, have, have to wish him good luck with this week's middle stuff. I don't know if he wants to keep it or what, but it's a lot to traverse through. Uh, I want to say thanks to Brian and Kara for being on this episode. Thanks to everyone hanging out with us in the Discord today, chatting live with us. You people are fantastic. And thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show, shares it, chats with us on social media. You are wonderful, fantastic human beings. Until next time, comics are good. And so are you.